Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. I'm the host for this podcast. Parable Ministries has been producing this podcast for almost a year. We've had our ups and downs, sure, and our learning curves, but all in all, I am beside myself with gratitude because this has only thrived through the partnership of teachers, the dedication of producers, and the talent of artists. And so at the precipice here, at the beginning, I want to thank you. Everyone who has partnered with Parable, and especially everyone who has been involved with this podcast, thank you. Today, I don't have a lesson to present to you. I want to try something different. I want to share with you a story. This story is ultimately a testimony to glorify my God, my heavenly King. So let's try it out. Let's move into the content of this episode. I remember uh, when I was fairly young making a declarative statement that I would never be a teacher. <laughs> Both my parents were teachers and I got to see firsthand the the weariness of my father. I would watch as he would arrive home late from school. He would eat dinner with the family and then retire to his office where he would work on lesson plans, uh, lesson prep until bedtime. And my mom was the same. She was always grading papers while simultaneously managing my rowdy brothers and I. I saw the life they lived, the time management, the, the skills they had developed. And while impressed, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I had many reasons for not wanting to teach. The first and foremost was that I had a speech impediment. It was really difficult for strangers around me to understand what I was saying. Only those who knew me well, who spent time around me, could figure out what I was trying to say. Secondly, I'm very shy. Standing in front of people who were looking at you, <laughs> who were expecting you to say something, oh, wow, that. That was like the worst possible punishment I could think of. Uh, to be fair, this fear was probably compounded by my self-consciousness surrounding my speech impediment. I was always scared people would uh, contort their faces in confusion or laugh at me. As a third consideration, I had no desire to teach because I was primarily interested in myself. I had seen my father's work life. He instructed generations of children. He taught them. He tutored them. He poured his heart and his soul into everything he presented to them. It's a, it a great sacrifice. A dedication of time, energy. It was like a, an intentional effort to assist in the growth of these kids. I assure you, it, it, he wasn't doing this for the incredible paycheck. <laughs> I saw that it required a selfless mindset. You know, actually, 
anybody could probably teach with a, a selfish mindset, probably. But you cannot assist in the growth of another person without putting them before yourself. My father was a selfless, humble, and diligent teacher. I saw that, even at a young age. And I didn't want to make that sacrifice. Instead, I had, uh, I guess you'd call it like a chip on my shoulder. I guess I wanted to prove myself, prove my worth. I was the youngest of five boys, so that's probably where it came from. Uh, I, at my childhood church, I was bullied <laughs> because I was an easy target. Humility was the furthest thing from my mind. I wanted pride. So in turn, I bullied a kid who had it worse off than me. He had a hard time walking. And one of my favorite things to do to him was to, uh, to trip him or uh, put something in his way, help him fall over. I was not kind to this boy, and he had every reason to hate me. Over the years, we, had, we lost contact. But one normal day, I, I, I got a phone call on my family's landline, and it was him. He was inviting me over to his house to hang out. I was skeptical. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was like a trick or a, uh, some kind of trap to, to make up for all the things I'd done to him. And I was inclined to say no. But my mother, bless her heart, insisted that I go. So she drove me to his house and dumped me off there. And I went up to his door and I knocked on it, just dreading. Ah, I, was so, I was dreading whatever he had planned for me. I was kind of expecting a Nerf dart with the suction cup replaced with a push pin to come flying out of that door. But when he opened the door, he smiled. He, he smiled at me with, with a genuine excitement. He shook my hand and he, he pulled me in for a, a, a bro hug. You know, when you have one arm in, in between each other and then you wrap around with the other arm. I was stunned. This was just a pile of heaping coals upon my head. I, I had no idea how to respond. That was my first experience of being blessed with humility. And it left a mark. I, I don't think I was saved yet. I, I have a hard time remembering things. But this is a memory that sits outside of time. I will never forget the undeserved kindness that I was shown. I think that was the, the first step in my calling to be a teacher. People try it, but I've found you, you cannot teach from a place of pride. You, you can try it. You can try to. But the people you're teaching, they will not learn. A teacher, especially a Bible teacher, should only teach and instruct with a humble heart. 
being invited to that kid's house and being hugged at his doorstep was the gentle siege break that made me question my value of pride. The next monument of remembrance occurred when I was in high school. By this time, I was dedicated to the Lord Jesus. I believed he was the Son of God and that he was my divine intercessor. However, I was young in the faith. I, I still had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove myself as, as something more than a, uh, I don't know, a misstood, misunderstood pipsqueak. I thought the best way to do that was to join the Marine Corps. As you can tell, my, my sense of personal value had not been sanctified yet. Since I was so kind of young, I started preparing. I started working out. I read books, watched videos, familiarized myself with what basic would entail. And I set, uh, I set myself up so that I could graduate high school early. I think it was my sophomore year. I, I had visited the recruiting center. I had taken a test and I was preparing. I was uh, preparing to leave for basic as soon as I had finished high school. But then, something truly extraordinary happened. I got food poisoning. <laughs> it was really bad. I had to be taken to a hospital where they misdiagnosed me, and they performed a spinal tap, which then became infected, and I became very sick. I was sick for over a year because we, we couldn't figure out what the, what the problem was. I was kind of uh, immobile uh, during that time. I spent, a, I spent most of my time in bed. My lower spine had a, a fierce infection, and it was quite painful to walk. Because of this, I lost a lot of weight, and uh, a lot of that muscle that I had been working on. And I was completely and totally unfit to join the Marine Corps. By the end of this uh, oh, interesting experience, my doctor told me that I had the back of a, of a 60-year-old. I wasn't even 20 yet. Apparently, the, the infection had damaged my spine. And... I will live with a, a slight degree of limitation for the rest of my life. During my year in bed, I became kind of lonely. I missed my friends. I missed seeing them. And I asked them to come visit me at my, at my place, at my house, at least once a week. As we would visit, we began to ask, I guess, each other, uh, really hard questions. Some questions that we were just too embarrassed to ask our pastors. Uh, some questions that were just a little too vague. And since I had a lot of free time being confined to my bed, I, I offered to research some of the questions. So I would look up all kinds of different uh, perspectives, uh, answers that different people had given, and I would report back. I'd share what I'd found. I wasn't 
good grief. I, I wasn't smarter than anyone else. I, I wasn't making conclusions. I, I was just the one in the group that had time to research these things. A word got out, and uh, people were told, if, if you go to Jesse's house, you can ask whatever you want, and you might get an answer. And so, uh, so our group began to grow, and we found a little... A little wooden box so that people could write out their questions and put it anonymously. And we we did this for a while. Eventually, uh, we ran out of questions. I mean, it's, it's not like we answered every issue in the known universe. We barely answered the questions that were put in the box. But we had addressed all of the immediate questions and concerns that we could think of. By this time, there were uh, about 40 of us. I mean, it was rare for everyone to come at the same time, but altogether, there was a, a little more than 40 of us. We'd meet in my mom's living room. It was a, it was a pretty tight fit. <laughs> we wanted to keep meeting, but we, we didn't really know what to talk about. When you have that many people in a room, you, you need something common that everyone can be involved with. So we picked a book of the Bible. I, I don't remember which one. And we decided to read through it together. Again, since I still had more time than the others, I would research the passage that we decided to read, and I would share as we read through it the, the things I had learned. The, this group, it, it became a little Bible study. And I, be, I became... It really excited for the meeting each week. Not, not just because it was my social highlight for the week, but I was, I was excited to share with the group what I had learned. That Bible study lasted for five years. And during that time, I became more and more interested in studying the Bible and even in presenting it. Remember when I told you I was shy? <laughs> Or that I had decided that I would never be a teacher? Well, we can safely say that I was barely a teacher in those first five years. And that my shyness was definitely there in full force. But it was interesting that the living room atmosphere, the, the, that setting, really helped my anxiety. And I, I definitely think that Bible study did me more good than the people who attended. This Bible study was a gentle redirection of pulling me away from the Marine Corps and my sense of value and pushing me into my calling and submission to the Lord. Looking back, I, I recognize this five-year moment as a monument of remembrance. Studying and teaching is, is how I can best serve the body of Christ and also, it happens to be the, the, the best way I grow in relationship with the Lord. I titled this episode, Remembering the Stones of Thanksgiving. I was inspired by Joshua, the son of Nun, in the Bible. In the book of Joshua, chapter 3, the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River in a, a miraculous fashion. The waters of the river stopped, and the people crossed over on dry land. 
There wasn't a, a sudden drought. That there's, there's really nothing explainable about it. The waters were held back. In chapter 4, Joshua pulled out 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River. And he set them up in a heap as, as a monument. Stones of thanksgiving. A, a monument of remembrance. We all carry these kinds of stones. To others, it may look like a, a pile of garbage or a, a, a messy life situation. But to us, it, it is a significant testimony of the goodness of God. A, a reminder. Something that demands thanksgiving. I give thanks because I was saved. I, I was pulled away from my immediate selfish ambitions. I was reoriented through the grace of God. And I was set on a path walking next to my heavenly king. At this point, I teach because I have to. If I didn't, I would become miserable. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Even after the, the hard work, the long hours, the, the, the days of study, I walk away tired, but I walk away with a heavenly fulfillment. I think of my, my dad often, how he taught, how he studied, how he carried himself. He is a, a model for me. But uh, unlike him, I, sometimes I, I push too hard and I burn out. That happened this last summer. So I, I still have a lot to learn. But when I learn it, I'll definitely let you know when I figure it out. I am first and foremost a scholar. But my excitement to share my findings drive me to be a teacher. I don't carry this passion lightly. And I will not bury it like the steward and the talent in Jesus' parable. I wanted to share with you a couple of my stones of thanksgiving so that it might encourage you to share yours with somebody else. By sharing our uh, mental monuments or our pile of rocks with other Christians, God is recognized and honored. We glorify him by remembering what he's done. So share with someone. Take a moment today, tell someone what God has done, and then together give thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.